day 84 everybody day 84 of my sobriety and my hair looks every bit of it everything bothers him he's unbothered he calls it unbothered but that's what's cute because everything bothers him he's bothered i'm a botherina What's up, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of Unbothered by Ty Rivera. That's right, it's Unbothered by Ty Rivera. I'm your host, Ty Rivera, the absolute best LGBTQ comedian in the world. In case you're wondering, my co-host Snoopy Bijou has gone back to eating alligators, or she ate one alligator the other day, and she seemed pretty enthused about it. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed. The next day, though, and I don't know if this had to do with the alligator or this had to do with the fact that we have been on the road because me and Snoopy B have not been on the road that much lately. And then we decided to go to Sacramento for just a turnaround trip. And uh, what happened with that is uh, she came back. She ate the alligator. Then the next day, she had a little bit of an accidente when we were in bed. But, you know, my bijou doesn't do that when she's having behavioral problems. You know, if she's mad at me, she just won't kiss me. But she doesn't have any reason to not be happy with me most of the time. Outside of her little bitchy, I'm not going to kiss you situation. Um, she's usually pretty chill. And so she had a little bit of an accident in bed. And it, it like it happens like, well, she's never had an accident, especially in bed. Um, and so like her having any kind of accident because she also has her litter box uh, is so rare that I wasn't going to give her a hard time about that little bit of an accident that she had that day. I just went ahead and um, put shout on my comforter and my duvet and I just have to wash them again. I have them soaking in shout basically. What I do is I douse stuff with shout when I need it. Then I'll let it sit there for a couple of days, and then tomorrow's officially laundry day. And so, you know, she's been good ever since. My little tank is pretty hardy. We both have pretty hardy systems, so that's something we have in common. And I'm not really worried about her because she doesn't show any signs of being sick. Technically, she's got a lot, a lot of energy for such an old gal, but she's not really that old. You know, people will try to throw that on your dog and be like, your dog's this age, so that means they must be going through this. And Bijou's having none of it. So also, Carlos Homemade Salsa, still going strong with Carlos Homemade Salsa. I haven't been able to eat it for the last couple of days only because my meals, the way that they've been working out lately, it didn't work out with that. Like, you know, because I don't want to just force putting Carlos homemade salsa on something, but I still love Carlos homemade salsa. I'm going to have it tonight because tonight's going to be my first night returning back to boneless, skinless chicken breast, which if you follow my channel, you know, the struggle is real when it comes to me and boneless, skinless chicken breast. Like I go back to it every once in a while and I realize how much I hate it again. So we're going to try it again tonight. I'm not going to try to let that get in my head. I've been going to the gym two a days for the last today's day three. Um, I've been doing two a days. So I'll go and I'll do cardio for an hour. And then I come home in between. I do stuff like this, like yesterday or the day before I recorded a video that I put up. And that's why Unbothered is on a Thursday again, because... I didn't want to, I don't like to put out too many videos at once, but I'm going to start doing that again anyway. But it's just like, sometimes I feel like, okay, let's give it at least a day in between videos, especially since Unbothered is such a long video. And I don't really do a lot of editing on Unbothered. 
unless I have a guest and then I have to like do back and forth. And so, you know, I, I tell you guys, I'm just doing the things that I feel like I should be doing right now. And if my skin looks especially good, that's because I've been drinking a lot of water. And I've also been hitting the sauna. So after I do my hour of cardio, I do 20 minutes in the sauna. Then I go and do squats. Then I come home and squats. I do 200 of them. It's this program that I told you guys I'm trying and I'm gonna let you guys see the results of it, but only after six months. And last time I think I lied to you guys because I said I was three months in, but it was May that I did it. So it was May to June is one month, June to July is two months. So we're at over just two months now. And I am seeing a difference, but nothing dramatic. And I'm not gonna lie to you guys and make it seem like, oh my God, it's been amazing. But it definitely has shown an improvement. And if you know anything about working with your body, you have to accept the improvements. You have to accept the progress and not look for some kind of like, wow, this is amazing because you're just going to set yourself up for failure. That's what I notice people doing all the time is they'll get discouraged very quickly with working out because they feel like they're not seeing results when if they would just hold off a little bit, then they would probably end up getting the result that they actually want if they just would stick with it. And right now my hair looks like this because I have a leave-in conditioner in it. Well, not even a leave-in conditioner. It's a cholesterol treatment for hydrating because of all the flat ironing I do and stuff like that. I like to sometimes really just hydrate my hair and let it do what it needs to do naturally so that it can, you know, restore some of the moisture that I lose from all the flat ironing. Obviously, I haven't been bleaching it lately, and I don't plan to go back to bleaching it anytime soon. I'm not going to swear it off. It's not like I didn't like the look, but long term, it's really hard on your hair. And I was doing everything that I had to do to keep my hair healthy. And a couple friends that are stylists gave me some stuff to put in my hair to make it more healthy while I was doing the blonde. But it's just when you're doing that blonde, it's gonna sometimes get really dry. So that was something that I was dealing with and I got tired of it. And then I had that situation where some of it got burnt off in the back because they used a product on me that they don't usually use that I don't usually use. So I've been dyeing my own hair when I dye it, but that's even been like a month or so now. Sometimes it's just good to let yourself do what you have to do and not worry about all the extras. You know, like right now, my main focus is working out. For me, a lot of this stuff is almost like if you're customizing a car, like you're going to do all the stuff under the hood that you need to do first and then you put the paint job on it. So the hair, you know, like dyeing my hair and stuff like that is all just kind of paint job stuff. So for right now, I'm not worried about that and it's not something I'm going to concern myself with. I am liking where my life is because I told you guys that I was going to take a break from everything, doing everything. And then I lied to you because I ended up doing an open mic on Thursday night. My friend Delilah runs an open mic at the Kava Cafe. And so I went to go do that. I don't know how regular I'm going to be there. I don't know how regular I'm going to be anywhere. Right now, I'm just letting myself do what it is I want to do. And whatever naturally I feel like doing on that particular day is what I'll end up doing on that particular day. Like planning for stuff that I'm not being paid for makes absolutely no sense to me. So being like, I'm going to be at this particular open mic and I'm going to make it so I'm here every, 
why? Like, why would I want to do that with my time? You know, and I am much happier since I'm not really talking to a lot of people because when you talk to people, they'll, you know, want to talk to you about things that a lot of times you don't care about. And like I said, I did get influenced for a minute there and I was starting to care about stuff that usually just wouldn't really enter my mind. And so being away from people has made it so... And then also, you know, putting out the podcast, the people that actually like me, that actually know me in real life will listen to the podcast or watch the podcast because, they know, that's a quick way to figure out exactly what it is I'm going through and where it is I'm at. And I talked about the fact that anybody that comes to me with any negativity is going to get cut out of my life. So people haven't been coming to me with negativity, and that's exactly where I want things to be because I don't know if it's because of the way that I was raised or a combination of the way that I was raised and never being in the closet when it came to doing stand-up, but I just don't look for people to like me or to necessarily like what it is I'm doing outside of off stage. You know, when I perform, obviously I want to do a good job for whoever I'm performing for because they're paying me or because I've chosen to be there and I want to work new material out. But when it comes to just like, you know, wanting people in a social way to just like me, that's not where I'm at with life in general. I My life doesn't revolve around people liking me. My best friend, I talk to her maybe once a week, East Coast bestie Renee. I talk to her maybe once a week and then I've had a few scattered conversations here and there and I got booked to do Austin, so I'm going to be doing that. And then, like, work-wise, people will talk to me, you know, but I don't want to just talk to people for the sake of it. I don't feel like I'm missing that in my life, and I don't feel like I'm lonely in any way. And if I want to meet people or just hang out, there's a couple bars that I can go to where I know that people are my vibe and not just being gay bars even though like one of them definitely is a gay bar but I know that if I go to that particular bar I can hang out with people that I already know and I can also hook up if I want to and that's kind of been a lot of my life experience you know and I don't need anybody to go to the bar with me. Like, I'm not one of those people where it's like, you know, come out with me. Let's hang out. Because, like, I remember when I was younger, I had these friends that I always hung out with. There were these two other gay boys that I used to hang out with. And this was when I was still going to clubs on a fake ID. I think I was 17 at that time or maybe 18 at the time. And there was one night where it was getting later and later, and my mom was like, you look bored, why aren't you out? Because, you know, I used to go out all the time, and there's a circuit in Phoenix. Well, there's not any more that I know of. Maybe there still is. I'm just not in that age range anymore. But um, in Phoenix, there was a circuit. You'd go to, like, this bar on one night. You know, like, it was Harley's on Monday, and then Tuesday it was... I think, no, Wednesday was BS West. Tuesday might have been, no, Sunday was Foster's. Anyway, you get what, it, what I'm saying. Like, there was just a circuit 
that you would go to the bars and that was the place to be seen on that particular night in gay life in Phoenix if you were young. And so there was a particular night where I was just hanging out and it was getting later and later and my regular two rolling buddies um, weren't available or maybe they were being weird because they always had these situations and I had the situations too. Like I think now LGBT in general is a lot more of a... um, more of a detached sort of thing because when I was younger we all had these boyfriends and these miserable toxic relationships that we were all in which I had to block somebody on Facebook today it was the one I told you guys about the other day but we'll talk about that later but um yeah we so we were all in these toxic relationships on and off and this was one of the times where I was completely single I wasn't dating anybody or maybe me and the guy that I had my toxic situation with were on a, you know, <laughs> real off situation. But I just remember I had been out a lot and my mom was like, why are you here? Why aren't you out? And why do you look so bored? And I was just like, well, so-and-so and so-and-so aren't around today. And my mom was just like, yeah, don't worry about that. Go out. If you want to go out, then you go out and don't worry about anybody. And so from that point on, because I did go out and I had a great time by myself. And, you know, when you're out and you're young and you're gay and you're, you know, really living life. And now I don't like dance and party as much as I used to. But back then I really used to. And so when you're living that life, it's like you um, can have a good time by yourself you know people will introduce themselves to you and then you just end up having a good night and so I from that point on I never worried about anybody and it's weird that I remember it so definitively you know like that was the time like my mom believe it or not it was my mom that taught me or told me like just don't wait for anybody go out and have a good time by yourself and so I did but then When I was growing up, my mom would always do that with me, too, you know, where she would give me money and tell me to go to the mall because, you know, I lived in a small town and sometimes the kids because my I was I grew up in this weird situation where it was kind of strict, but it was also kind of lenient. Like I could be out as much as I wanted to until the sun went down and there were certain people that I wasn't supposed to hang out with. And I really was good about not hanging out with them because the people I was told not to hang out with, I really didn't want to hang out with anyway. So it didn't bother me. You know, they just were kids that I hung out with once or twice. And my mom caught what their vibe was like. And I knew what their home situation was like, too. So I can understand, especially now, why it was my mom didn't want me to hang out with these particular kids. And so since I had that much leniency when it came to me being out I could be out as long as I wanted to as long as the sun hadn't come up sometimes my mom would see me again just sitting there not doing anything and she'd be like why don't you go do something and when I say she'd give me money to go to the mall I wasn't like she'd give me some ridiculous shopping money or something like that you know she'd just give me like five dollars and when I was younger this is going to make me sound old but when I was younger like five dollars went a longer way 
And so I could go to the mall and I could, you know, buy something to eat. You know, if I wanted to go to the Tasty Freeze, I think was what we had in my town. If I remember correctly, what was in that mall, it was a Tasty Freeze. And I could buy myself some fries and, you know, a, a little combo meal. And um, yeah, so when I was young, I guess I was like that a lot, too, because sometimes I'd have a regular rolling buddy that I hang out with. But sometimes their parents would be at work and so they weren't allowed to leave until their parents came home or that kind of stuff or if I wanted to I could go over their house but I didn't always like being at people's houses like I told you guys I I haven't my whole life I haven't always liked being around people and you know and it's not like I hate being around people but just it's not my favorite thing it's not the place that I'm the most comfortable is when I've got a bunch of people around me but for some reason people have always wanted to be around me on some level or another and so I don't feel like a lot of people feel and I've had people get mad at me about that or have feelings about that and express that to other people I've had people bring it up more recently or they're just like you know he's such an asshole and I don't understand why everybody wants to be around him all the time I don't know why so many people just flock to him they all just like there was a whole speech that was given about me on that, you know, where they were just like, I don't know why people just like him so much. It makes no sense to me. It makes no sense. Shut up. Maybe if you had a better personality, people would want to be around you too. Or maybe that's not even it because according to the internet, I have a terrible personality. But for some reason, people always want to be around me. Who knows? Maybe they're using me. Maybe they think that I can do more for them than I can actually do. Whatever it is, it's not something that I'm looking for. And I even tell people, like, the last time I really hung out with anybody, I think it was when I was, no, I was with my friend Zach Elk, which if you don't remember Zach Elk, he was a former, um, <laughs> he was the former sidekick here on Unbothered by Tyra Vera. And I will always love Zach Elk. And if you hate this podcast, then you hate Zach Elk because Zach Elk, what happened was I was going through that time in L.A. where there was a bunch of controversy surrounding me. And I swear, I lived the life of a celebrity, but I don't have the money. It's so frustrating, but it really is a celebrity lifestyle I live a lot of times, you know, because people will be talking about me, talking about me, talking about me. There's hate channels dedicated to me. There have been forums dedicated to hating me. And like, you know, so... It's like all this stuff is going on online, you know, but then I go out in the real world and everything's great, which is why I always tell people, if you're ever feeling suicidal about what people are saying about you online, go out in the real world and see how people react to you. You know, if people are chill and cool and even happy to see you, then fuck the Internet. Why pay attention to what the Internet is saying? Outside of positivity, I'm not really accepting the Internet as anything other than that. And I know more recently I have been caught up in more stuff and, you know, maybe cared a little bit more than I should have. But I've always told people that anytime you decide to make a change, and that's when it comes to your body, your mental health, when it comes to anything to do with your life, anytime you decide to make a change, you are 100% in control of that. And don't let anybody tell you or don't let anybody try to dictate the pace of your life or where your life is supposed to be. Like um, I mentioned having to block somebody online because I put this silly picture well it was a screen cap of a post that I put up on Twitter and the post said something like sometimes I worry that I'll never find somebody toxic enough to settle down with 
And on Twitter, you know, it's not like it went crazy viral or popular or whatever, but it did get a fair amount of likes. And I was like, all right, people are responding to this. So let me go ahead and post it on my Facebook fan page. So I posted it on my Facebook fan page. And then, you know, people were just laughing and putting silly comments. And then somebody that I mentioned last week that, you know, has a problem with me for I don't remember what. And really, if I thought about it, I could remember what on this particular one. But what does it matter? Like it really doesn't, you know, and but anyway, so this person decides to chime in and they're like, you know, well, what about you? You're toxic enough for whatever, whatever. And, you know, there was a part of me that's used to that arguing life or making people look stupid online. And there were several things I could have said to this person that really would have just cut them to the quick. And that's why people do get mad at me and why people don't like me in some cases because I'm really good at finding that one thing that you don't like about yourself or that I know will bother you and just I can dig into it you know and but I don't want to live that way anymore and it's not for any other reason than I just don't want to live that way anymore and technically it's been quite a while since I've really done that anyway you know I guess maybe one or two of the episodes I don't even know that, that that's what was happening in those episodes as much as I was calling out what the actual problem was with these particular people or what I noticed from these particular people. But anyway, the point is I knew the stuff that I could have said to get on this person's nerves. I know what I could have said to make them look stupid for other people that are watching the thread. But since I didn't feel it, I was just like, let me just delete this comment and block this person because why should this person be or have the power to dictate what my mood is? Because I was in a good mood. And even when I saw his comment, I still was in a good mood just because for me, it felt like how desperate are you that you're still looking for my attention after I've already blocked you on every other platform and I just never thought to block you off my fan page because I figured you would have either unfollowed my fan page or you would unfollow it at the time you saw me. Like I had that happen last night with me on Twitter, you know, where I saw that I was accidentally still following somebody and really how much of an accident can it be? You know, I just forgot that I was following that particular person on Twitter when we got into it. And I have no relationship with this person anymore. And they've said some negative things about me, but so what? I've said negative things about them, so I'm not going to act like that's such a victimization. Um, but yeah, so I noticed that I was still following them. So I just politely and quietly unfollowed them. And they probably have enough followers that, well, they don't have that many followers. But anyway... They have enough followers that they probably didn't notice that I unfollowed them. And so why would it have to be a thing? What would I do otherwise? Go to their profile or try to find a comment from them and or a tweet from them and post something like, no, that's not the way my life is working right now. And like I said, people can try to lure me in or bait me into having any kind of response to them but that's just something that's not going to happen it's just completely off the menu because I don't and it's not that see because saying you don't care sounds it's just an energy suck like when you're getting into it with people 
that in the end are going to have no bearing on your actual life. Because as much as people will try to have a bearing on your life, very few people can have an actual bearing on your life if you don't allow them to. And so why should I put myself in a position where I'm having to argue with people that aren't at all important in my life? And the, one of the things that does baffle me a little bit, but I've stopped trying to even understand a little bit, is the... The people that seem to dislike me the most, like the people that seem to hate me, are people that have never met me in real life, never hung out with me in real life. So it's like I could understand if I had dated you and you had a problem with me and something went wrong in that situation, or even if we had been actual friends and you had a problem with me. But the people that like have the most venom towards me are people that I've either met once in my life or in some cases never met in my entire life as much as they'll try to claim that we know each other it's like no i haven't i don't know you i haven't met you we don't know each other so i don't know why you have these strong feelings for me but whatever it is it just doesn't make sense to me and i noticed that in a lot of cases a lot of the men that have problems with me either grew up without fathers or have strained relationships with their fathers and i think that there is something there i think there is something that where people because obviously if you have really strong feelings about me from seeing me online and I don't know you from online or real life then you probably in your head had a relationship with me that I don't have with you you probably have some sort of thing where you looked for me for some kind of approval or you thought that I was some kind of stamp that legitimized either what you were doing or what you were thinking. And so when I finally noticed you online and I didn't give you the approval that you were looking for or I said something that you didn't agree with and you felt like that was some kind of, you know, blow to your ego or I had, you know, cut you to your soul or whatever it was that these people were thinking, that's when they started to hate me and I don't, you know, I can't pretend to be a part of that because I'm just not because it's a truly one-sided relationship. It's something that I'm not a part of. So I don't know why it is these people develop these feelings towards me. I don't think it's healthy, but also nobody else's mental health is my responsibility you know that like i can't assume responsibility it's like the same with you know when people in the lgbt community get mad at me about certain things i say it's like well you're saying that the things that i'm saying could be hurtful towards the lgbt community but i think most of what i do when it comes to lgbt is actually empowering if you look at it because i completely remind people that the outside world doesn't really matter if you're lgbt if you're gay if you're bi if you're transgender even if you're non-binary which i don't really buy as a thing and i've been very clear about that 
You don't need to look to me or anybody else for any kind of validation. You find that within yourself. And then that's where you operate from because nobody should matter. That's not, you shouldn't base your happiness on what strangers on the internet think about you. And that's something, even though, like I said, there were certain things that would bother me more recently. And I did give into some of those urges, those temptations, those weaknesses, you could say. But at the same time, it's like, I've never based my self-worth on what the internet thinks about me because the internet had in a, had opinions about me before I saw it as anything other than a way to have fun. Like if you look at my internet from, you know, like my, the kind of stuff that I talked about and did like, you know, in 2010, 2009, I was all about just being silly on the internet and having fun. Like, you know, I wasn't really talking about any kind of heavy hitting issues. I remember one time, I think it was Jacob Siroff had mentioned it to me and something had happened. I don't know if it was like a terrorist type thing or it was a, you know, a mass shooting, but it was something like that. And it had to be like 2012 because 2012, I was still keeping it pretty light as well. And so I think it was around 2012. I remember I was at Rooster Tea Feathers for the weekend, which is a club up in Sunnyvale, which is Northern California, right near, um, right near the Apple plant or, you know, the, or Apple headquarters. And so, um, I remember that that's where I was one of the last times that somebody had referenced how light my internet was just because, you know, Somebody like something big like that had happened and it was at that level like mass shooting or terrorist attack, something big like that, you know, on the news. And I had posted about this annoying bitch at the Abercrombie and it wasn't like, a you know, expose the Abercrombie or whatever. It was just a quick like, yeah, this annoying bitch at the fucking Abercrombie. And I don't remember what it was. I just remember because I think it was Jacob Siroff that Siroff that told me um, he was like, he was like, you know, everybody else was talking about that today. And then you just were like this chick at the Abercrombie. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of the way my life works. And even, you know, like with some of my more controversial moments over the last couple of years, or I think it's been honestly like a good, then there have been breaks or whatever, but a good, seven years let's see since probably a year or a year and a half before trump um got into office so what's that now like five six years and well you know i mean from the time he started running to his actual and then maybe a year you know, before that. So maybe like seven years that this has been going on, which if you consider I've been doing stand up for 18 and I've been on the internet since, you know, whatever, when MySpace was a thing. So what's that? 2003. So, oh yeah. So about the same. Yeah. And that's the, yeah, that makes perfect sense because I remember when I first started doing stand up. There was a guy named Bino that ran uh, Marvin Mary's was the name of the bar that he ran. And it was in Culver City. And I was at Marvin Mary's regularly. And Bino had this daughter named Valentino. And it was, you know, 
I remember her name being Valentino because she was named by her brother. Bino was a cool guy, and he had told her brother, her older brother, that he could name the baby when the baby was born. The baby ended up being Valentino. And even though technically, if you were going by the gender that names are supposed to be, supposed to be, um, she would have been Valentina. Instead, Bino named her Valentino because the son, his baby at the time, said, name her Valentino. And so Valentino had told me about MySpace, and she mentioned that it was something like Friendster. And I had no idea what Friendster was because I just wasn't an Internet guy like that when I was younger. You know, I wasn't thinking about that. I was going to clubs and uh, you know, before I moved to Ve or moved to LA to do stand up, I was living almost not almost. I was living a married life, and I was with my ex at the time, and so I wasn't thinking about you know being online. We used computer for work, but that's all we used computer for. Oh, and that's back in the days of downloading off LimeWire and Napster. So, like, you know, we would have music that we would burn onto CDs. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, so that was the extent of my Internet use until that point. So from, the, from 2003 to whatever it was, 2014, uh, I was just fun in, on the Internet. And the only thing that I ever was political about was... Obama, you know, I wanted o Obama to get voted into office. And so I was very big on that. But it wasn't like there was anybody arguing because I was living in L.A. and I was in the entertainment industry. And pretty much everybody that was in the entertainment industry, at least openly, was supportive of Obama. So it was a very low risk thing to say to just put something out that was, you know, um, favorable towards Obama back then. But then after Obama got voted in, then I didn't really feel like there was anything to argue or any fight to be had because the guy that I wanted to go into the office had gone in the office. So, like, what would I be upset about? And then after the Obama situation, the yeah, that's when I got in a little bit, like my first little taste of Internet trouble was I did a joke about gay marriage. And, like, for me, the joke wasn't about gay marriage. It was about my annoying roommate. But it happened to be that my roommate at the time was really big on gay marriage. And he was really pushing it all the time. And so I got annoyed with him. So I wrote this joke that was bitchy and it was fun. And it did really well everywhere I went. And then... Like, he made a deal of that, even though we were roommates. And some uh, other LGBT friends of his decided to troll one of my videos because they thought I was being insensitive about gay marriage. And really, they were protective about him. And I don't, uh, I don't blame them. You know, like, that's, like, good friend stuff if you're, you know, you feel like your friend has been slighted or is being read on the Internet, then... I can understand how maybe you would decide to like online attack his 
roommate who's a comedian, but I didn't care. You know, it wasn't like I really got into it with them or whatever. I was just like, mm, whatever. And then that turned into a little bit of a thing for them. But I was like, because, you know, I really have come a long way. And I'm not saying this in a good way. You know, I'm not saying this in a good way. I'm going to go ahead and correct it because I really have come in, a, come a long way in where I'm at or where I was with actually caring what was being said on the internet. Cause I used to not care at all. Like I'd just be like, all right, well that's an opinion, you know, and then I would not pay attention to it. And so that's why I say the internet had opinions about me before I thought of the internet as anything but fun is because these people were mad at me and there were different attempts made to try to keep me off stuff. But like everybody knew that I was a comedian and also that I was a gay comedian. And for as much as people will try to talk shit or whatever, I've done a lot when it comes to LGBT and stand up, you know, and that's something that it's one of the reasons that Samson McCormick, if you're not familiar with Samson McCormick, look him up online. It's S-A-M-P-S-O-N McCormick. And um, he was around, I think he started maybe just before me. And he's one of the few other LGBT comics that I can say that's been around for as long as I have and been just as out as I am. And he worked an even harder, well, maybe not harder, then I'm not trying to compare us because he's somebody that I really respect. And I don't think he would compare us either in that way. And it's like a hundred percent like two way street of respect between me and Samson McCormick. Well, I had him on the comedy festival, the laughed out queer comedy festival. And, you know, um, but the thing is like, I'm one of the few, like me and Samson, especially when it comes to gay men, are like two of the only comedians that were out from the moment we came out and being as gay as we were and talking about our experiences and at the same time not playing to any kind of stereotype, but then at the same time not at all trying to mask it or hide the fact that we were gay or in any way pull back on what we were. Samson was doing more the black rooms and like church rooms, which I really give it up to him for. And I was doing more the redneck rooms and the white rooms, you know, and mainstream. Uh, and Samson was doing mainstream at the same time as well, where he could here and there. But back then, if you were gay, you automatically weren't considered family friendly. So certain opportunities just weren't open to you. And that's something that's still a little bit of a thing. And I've tried to express that to people before, but they don't want to understand that. Like that's one of the things that does get me about stand up, And it's one of the reasons that I had posted a year ago that I was going to quit stand up. My friend Renee sent that to me. And apparently the anniversary was on Saturday night when I was in Sacramento because I, the next day Renee sends me a text message. She's like, Oh, I forgot to send this to you yesterday. And it was that post I put up. I put up this post on Facebook and I might have it like, cause Renee sent it to me in a message. I'll go ahead and put it <laughs> right here. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, I put something about, um, what was it? Uh, it was like, 
quitting stand-up and that I'm too good for the stand-up world. And I still feel that way. Like when it comes to like being too good for the stand-up world, I really do feel like I am because I'm one of the most genuine people on the actual stand-up scene. Like when it comes to me, that's one of the things that I'll tell you why I was bothered by certain things. Um, that people have said about me and stuff because I will not pretend to be something for you other than what I am like what you see is what you get with me like we're friends we're friends and yeah with regular friends there'll be certain things that get on your nerves about them or and then you know vice versa and all that kind of stuff and with friends I accept that but some of the stuff people have said about me has been outright like either lies or it's been embellished to a point where the truth is been obscured it's like you're almost not even telling the real story anymore the true story on any level like yeah we were in this particular city or yeah we were traveling together but you changed so many things and and so many people have done that recently and it's it's what it's done is reinforced my resolve to just be what and who I am and get to where I'm going and not let anybody stop me, not even myself or my own, like, yeah, I want to talk shit back or I want to correct this story. I don't want to correct anything. I want to keep my mouth shut as far as all of that stuff goes and just do the stuff I have to do because it's like the old saying, I could show you better than I could tell you. So I could sit here and say, I have this going and I have that going and I will keep you guys posted on the things that I have coming up. Like I said, I'm going to be in Austin, but that's not till September, so I don't have to promote it yet. But I will be promoting the things I'm doing and talking about the different things that I have coming up, but only in the way to let you know what it is I have coming up. So if anybody wants to come out and see me, you can come out and see me. But as far as like trying to prove to anybody, well, this is what I am and this is what I've done. And yeah, I'll tell you stories about where my place is in LGBT history, because that's another thing that I don't feel like a lot of people will really have that I do have. As much as people will try to talk shit and as much as people will try to make it seem like it wasn't a particular way, I will go down in history. And that's just a matter of fact because I was one of the first doing a very particular thing and there's so much footage out there of me and I've made so much controversy and the people that hate on me are only making it bigger they're only making me a bigger thing than I already was like you're trying to stop a fire by pouring lighter fluid on it and so like continue to grow the fire I'm fine with that 100% and like I said there was a minute where it bothered me but it, it doesn't anymore because this is what being still and only allowing your thoughts and only only your thoughts into your head is you will figure out exactly where it is where it is you are on a lot of things like a lot of people are afraid of their thoughts a lot of people are afraid to be alone because they think well what if I get suicidal what if I get this what if I begin to feel isolated what if, what if so like go through that go through all of it like it's one of the ways that you become an actual alchemist if you didn't know anything about that um, it's like you do have to go through the actual fire. You have to put yourself in those positions. And in losing a lot of the people around me, the, a lot of the people that were, and I don't say this in a hateful way, but like obviously dead weight because they didn't stay around. You know, they were more like hangers on trying to see if I was going to eventually do something for them or like maybe jump on the next train which is what they did in a lot of cases and I don't have a problem with that because for me the thing is I realized that like 
being alone, yes, after you've had a lot of people around you and kissing your ass and literally kissing your ass everywhere you go, certain people will kiss your ass and they know who they were. And that's why some of them are what, what they're like now, you know, they're, they, they try to act like I'm a horrible person, but really I didn't do anything to be branded a horrible person, but that's what makes them feel better because they turned out not to be the friends that they were pretending to be. But when you first experience that and you're like, well, I kind of thought that we all agreed that these certain things were supposed to not be good or not be acceptable or not what we do as professional stand-up comedians or not what we do as courtesy to other comedians. And, you know, I'm not going to go into the specifics, but you guys have been following along if you watch my podcast and you know the different things that I've gone through with different people and the different things that I've gotten, you know, had people turn on me for or whatever. But like when you really do feel that way, like, you know, like, oh, I thought that, you know, one, I thought we were friends and two, I thought that we all agreed that these were kind of the rules in, of engagement. When you first experience that, you will be a little bit let down and you will feel a little bit like, I thought these people were my friends. And even the stuff that I talked about with the residency and the way that went south, like for me, that wasn't about trying to flame anybody because I would have chosen completely different words and completely different ways of describing things. At the same time, I do have to keep it entertaining because this is a podcast and people are listening to me talk for an hour. And, you know, I don't pretend to have the biggest audience in the world, but the people that listen are consistent. If you look at my numbers, like if I talk about something particularly inflammatory, you'll notice there's a spike. But if you look at the numbers consistently, I get around the same number. Well, the same thing's happening on the audio version is I get around the same number. So I owe it to those people to make sure that this podcast is at least a little bit entertaining. If you're going to listen to me, like I don't worry about jokes per minute, obviously, or making you laugh the whole time. But I want you to either learn something. I want you to laugh. I want you to enjoy yourself, even if you're just like, Ty's stupid this week. Because that's what I do when I watch Wendy Williams, which I haven't watched Wendy Williams lately, but she's one of the shows that I actually did watch regularly. Charlemagne the God is another thing I watch regularly. Tim Dillon is another thing that I watch regularly. But like when you have certain things that you like watching, you notice on some days, you know, you're like, yeah, they're right on my wavelength today. Or other days they're like, you know, they just made me laugh the whole time. I had such a good time. And then some days you're just like, yeah, this motherfucker is off today. Like I'm not on board with any of what they're saying. And maybe you like, you know, not hate them, but you do. <laughs> maybe you're like, cause they're your friend in your head. Wendy Williams always says that, but it's like, you know, it's such a appropriate way of describing it. So they're your friend in your head. And like, I know for some people I'm a friend in your head, you know? And so like, sometimes you really don't agree with the friend in your head, but just like a regular friendship, like, you know, maybe you'll be like, all right, maybe I should take a week off listening, or maybe, you know, I don't need to hear every thought you have on this next one or a forward this part or whatever, you know, but you come back because you're, you know, you're, 
you have some kind of loyalty in a way or you enjoy the overall message even if you don't agree with everything that that particular person says but i do feel like i have a uh, obligation to be somewhat entertaining for you guys so i use colorful language to describe things and stuff like that but really for me when i talked about that that particular situation especially it was more about the disappointment because it really was a good opportunity and a big opportunity for both of us and it wasn't me being mad about that stuff i was disappointed because originally I was willing to completely let it go and then I ended up finding out or hearing from other people and again this is why I say I'm glad to just be on my own right now because if I had been on my own back then then I never would have heard that to begin with but I heard from other people that like you know they were telling people publicly that the reason that they didn't want to do the show with me after all was because of my reputation and they were worried it was going to hurt other things and it was like well my reputation was the same from like you know we were only like officially working on that idea for like less than a month you know it was when we were in el paso which was like may 15th or whatever and then the first shows were going to be the 13th and 14th or the 14th and 15th whatever that weekend was or maybe it was the 8th and 9th who fucking knows but anyway um yeah and so i got disappointed in that because it was like yeah don't be telling people that's the reason when that's not really the reason like really this was the reason and that's what i said on the podcast was because I don't think a lot of people realize the amount of work that a lot of things are going to be like, yes, you will get some great opportunities. And I don't ever worry about that part, you know, when it comes to like not getting another opportunity, somebody will always want to fuck with me. That's just what it is. And as much as that pisses some people off, some people will always want to fuck with me. I'm very professional when it comes down to me actually working. I just got a message today from somebody that's worked with me in the past and just like, you know, wanting to check in with me and see what I have going. That's how I got the Austin thing too, was like, you know, somebody that I've worked with in the past. Like, I'm very professional when it comes down to it. But I think a lot of times people think when they're going to work with me, that it's going to be like, you know, super easy and we're just going to open the doors and people are going to start coming in. And I don't I don't ever believe that that's the way anything is going to work at this particular point. Like once you build your reputation, you build your name to a point nationwide or even like become Las Vegas synonymous, which I'm also on my way to being like, you would be surprised the number of comedians that hit me up asking me specifically about Las Vegas. And right now I'm not talking to anybody, so I don't help anybody. I'm just not in a rude way, but I'm just like, you know, yeah, I like I can tell you where to go to do some mics. And if you want to hit these people up independent of me, go ahead and do that. But like right now, I'm not trying to like, you know, be anybody's plug to anything because that's just not you know that would also take because when i recommend people for stuff i'll give a full-on either email or facebook introduction or it's it's a lot for me to do like that kind of stuff and then with the volume of comics that will hit me up through the various platforms of social media asking me to hook them up with stuff it's like and then also that would also take for me to like assess which shows they would be best for as far as professional or paid shows go, you know? So it's a, a lot more than just like, just mention my name here or just hit this person up or that kind of stuff. It's so for me, you know, like it's not really 
um, how I want to spend my time on that either right now. And, you know, like I said, I don't, I don't want to contact a lot of people. I don't want to be, you know, cause once you start talking to people, they're like, Oh, do you know what so-and-so said? And the other day I heard this and it's like, I'm not out. I don't know why anybody's thinking about me anyway, which makes no sense when people act like, your poison or you know like if something's really poison or you really think something has no value you pay it no mind you know like do you stop and argue with every homeless person that shouts something ridiculous at you when they're when you're going to the 7-eleven or the circle k or the am pm or the speedy mart or whatever it is you have in your local area no if they're crazy you just keep moving because you're like mm, they're crazy but if you feel like somebody has a point, if you feel like somebody is actually has value, then, you know, you either try to debate it with them. You try to argue it with them. You try to hear them out or you try to discredit them because you don't want them actually spilling the tea. So this is the way why people react to me the way that they react to me, even though they'll try to act like. It's because he's crazy. It's because it's like I'm none of the things that people say about me. I'm just have valid points, you know, and I've called out things that really should be called out. But I won't be the person to call them out anymore because I've also decided to limit my circle even more when it comes to what it was I'll have around. Like I mentioned one particular person a couple episodes back where I said that I would choose not to work with that person anymore. Well, that's 100% me choosing not to work with that person. That person, the reason I even brought them up was because they would come to me asking for work and then I was hearing and seeing that they were saying negative things about me or supporting negative things about me. So at that point, I felt like it was important that I address that because it was making me uncomfortable because it's like, do you think I don't know what it is you're saying about me or that you're supporting negative things about me? And if you do know that, think that, then why would you think that I'd be a good resource for you as far as work goes? Like, why would I help you get work? And that is 100% the way that relationship worked out. That person never hooked me up with anything. That was always me hooking them up with stuff. So why would I be trying to get you work or why would you come to me for work when you already know that you're supporting negative things that are being said about me? Like that makes no sense. And it just, at first I wasn't gonna address that, but then they asked me more than once if I could get them work. And I just felt like, well, now I feel like I have to say something. So initially I handled that through private text message and just let them know that I, you know, would prefer that we just skip the talking when I see them out in public because I had seen them out in public a couple of nights before. And again, they try to talk to me like we're besties or whatever because we were cool. We were very cool, you know, um, until I found out that they were in support of the negativity that was going around about me. And then when I had talked to them about that, they had said that, that they know that that's not true, the negativity that was going on around me or about me. Um, but you know, like, and I don't hold hard feelings, but at the same time, I'm not going to help you get work and especially work with me. Like, why would I take you on the road with me or invite you to do anything if you're talking to people or supporting things that are negative about me? Like, you know, that's me helping you get ahead so that you can try to tear me down or I don't know how that would even make sense in your head. So I um, address that just on private text message 
And then through another party, again, this is why I tell you guys that I don't talk to people anymore and I don't want to talk to people anymore outside of like when people see me out, I will speak. I will say hello, but I won't be having private conversations, heart to hearts with people, any of that stuff. Nobody should have that kind of access to me. Like that's what I've learned from all of this because I'm also the more interesting part of the conversation, no matter what conversation I'm in. So I don't really need anybody to um you know jump in and like you know what like i'm bored or i need company or i don't know what these people think but anyway um but yeah so um you know like i just don't know what value it is people think that i would necessarily get from them when they're not positive towards me. So anyway, the, uh, what the other person ended up telling me was that the person I sent the text message to had told them that they were puzzled about the text message. So that's when I addressed it on unbothered and was very clear. And then that person publicly went out of their way to misconstrue that, which is something that I've lost all respect for people on. And like I said, I don't need to go into specifics because people know what they've done and who they are and what they've been. And for me, that is enough because it doesn't matter what the rest of the world knows. As long as you know and I know what it was I was talking about and what it was you were doing and a lot of the people around you know what it was that I was talking about and they saw what it was I was talking about, then it doesn't really matter what you say publicly because everything you're saying publicly is just you trying to save face and kind of PR on your point. And I don't see any reason that I would need any PR for telling just the truth or for just talking about life as it is, you know, it, it just is what it is. So, you know, um, anyway, it's almost time for me to get out of here. So I will finish up with, uh, what, with that message when I said that, you know, um, I was going to quit stand up. I don't know exactly why I posted it to tell you the truth. I was high out of my mind when I posted it. And I don't feel like anybody should have any feelings about me saying that. Most people shouldn't even remember me saying that unless you just don't have a life. But if it's something that concerns you, if it's something that bothers you, I don't know why. I didn't. If Here's where I could see it would bother people. If I had said, I'm moving on to a life outside of stand-up comedy, please help me support this endeavor by donating to my GoFundMe. And then I raked in a bunch of GoFundMe money and decided not to quit. And you were one of the contributors. Then I could understand you having feelings about that. But other than that, it's just something I said. And I never started a GoFundMe. I've never asked for people to support me in moving out of comedy. I said that one time a year ago, a year and a week ago now, or going on a year and a week ago now, a year and five days ago now. And then I left it alone. I haven't turned it into my life's mission. It's not like I've, you know, had a countdown clock to when I was going to quit doing stand-up. It's none of that. I haven't done any of that. I said that one time, and then I left it alone. And everybody that watches this podcast knows that I've always said it's 100% my prerogative to completely change my mind at any time I decide to. And because of the amount of hate that I've gotten and because I feel like I have a duty and a responsibility to show people 
exactly how you let people know that they don't matter by just doing you and by just continuing to progress, no matter how late in life you may be, no matter how much time people may think you have wasted. If you know what your path is and you know you're on the right track and you know what you have to do and you're not doing it solely because of spite, but spite's definitely in there a little bit, then you keep doing what you do and whatever you do, you stay unbothered.